the numbers has returned but it's not the return of by the numbers it's the revenge of by the numbers we are back for our third season here on the new insight on esports csgo channel check around to some other shows that you might have seen in the past and some forthcoming there and of course this show is now sponsored by esports bet the old name was dj esports you might know they worked with me then i work with this company and they right now are running a world's prediction series contest that includes the major includes msi includes basically everything going on right now for however many more days it lasts this phase of it it's free to enter when you make an account you get given some djt which is their token to free to use up thing and basically think of it like a prediction contest you make a bunch of bets with the djt and then if you can rack up enough on the leaderboard so you get 56 when you get to like 60k that then unlocks going into the later stage of the tournament where you can play for enormous money like three hundred thousand dollars usdt for the winner and there's a whole bunch of people who will win and as i say it covers all of these but you can cover all these different games and different areas of expertise so if you want to go and play sign up on esports bet you get the free djt up to a limit of 5,000 djt every day that you log into the site they will top you up another thousand which you can then use to make the bets you'll see on some of my other shows like competitive edge on this channel with monty we actually place the bets and we show you how it works and all the odds and all that thanks to esports bet if you like to gamble on esports or you're interested in gambling on it consider esports bet Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Revenge by the Numbers. I'm your host, Richard Lewis. Joining me, as he always does, it's the esports historian, Duncan Thorin Shields. Uh, and look, if this has gone the way that we've sort of planned it, it was kind of a rhyme to the reason. You're probably watching this the day or the day after that, after the very first episode in which you posted, what's the point in even releasing this? It's all out of date. The major's over. Now we're in Rostomania. Where's your Rostomania episode? Well, don't worry, that's coming too. But anyway, first of all, we are going to summarise uh, the major that that uh, we've just had, obviously the major in Antwerp. Uh, we did a review of the earlier stages and some of the stories before it, um, including coaches not being in attendance uh, and some that were in attendance um, and the kind of disparity of that. Now we can talk about what Counter-Strike ostensibly should be about. And that is, of course, the games and the storylines and the performances. Um, so look, uh, I'm going to start off, I'm, I'm probably taking my life in my hands here, but I wanted to start off with sort of a critique of uh, Furia, who sure. many people... Got have. off lightly, I noticed, from a lot of people, mate. Absolutely. Well, considering they were many people's dark horse picks. Yeah. I mean, yep. like, people were saying that was a legitimate pick. I didn't. I, I didn't really agree with that. I felt top eight was as far as they could go. But there were a lot of experts out there, a sure. lot of pundits, a lot of casters, a lot of super fans, a lot of journalists. They were all sort of saying, look, Fury is a legitimate team. They can, you know, uh, really beat any of uh, any team on their day. And yeah, I didn't really fuck with that as a concept. In fact, I thought Fury had a number of issues on their roster 
going in uh, to the tournament. I didn't think it was a given they would make top eight. When they did and they went up against Spirit, I was absolutely, I mean, you know, Spirit were my dark horse pick. There was no doubt in my mind that Spirit were going to win. And obviously they got absolutely destroyed. Um, and, and, and they got destroyed because they had all the problems that we're now about to explore. But also, Caserato probably had his worst game of the major, um, one of his worst games in a long time. Uh, just really, really massively underperformed considering how talented he is. So let's talk about Furia in general and, and, and where they are. I think they're a greatly diminished team compared to previous iterations of Furia, um, despite the addition of Safe, which I really liked as a pickup. Yeah, the problem I have with them as a team is they're right in that bunch where, ignoring the like hype and the politics of the G2 Vitality moves, if we just look at the rosters, they're those teams where it's on paper that people get hyped about them. So it's the same with the Outsiders team, it's the same with G2, it's the same with Vitality. You look on paper, these are supposed to be like, that should be like a contender, that should be like a little dark horse. Like you say, when they get a bracket like they did, it should be like, at a minimum, you're meeting Faceline. And hey, if you're really a contender, why can't you beat Faceline? Why can't you be in the final of the major? But you see, instead, they're the ones getting getting beaten by people playing their first ever major. And I think the problem is, just like all on-paper rosters, there's a reason we keep saying on-paper. If they ever bloody did it in the server, we'd stop that, wouldn't we? We'd say about what they're like in the server. Because in the server, they're nothing like they look like on paper. Like, even the safe pickup, he's just an all right player in their team. I don't know if it's they don't emphasize him enough. I don't know if it's the whole, like, you were the star on a small club, but you go to the big clubs and people don't always adapt the same way. I actually think as well, even, I'm, I'm sort of with you, like, even that core of Serato, Yuri and Art that always looked money. It looks like it's regressed a little bit, mate. Like, there's still good players in there, but I actually can't rely on them as, a, as a, like a trio of players as much. And when I look at them as a team, that's also where I'm starting to feel like they're more in the sort of outsider's vitality camp where it's like, they've had a while now, mate. It's not like, yeah. it's like this is the first tournament. So, like, what, aside from the initial hype of that would be a cool lineup, what are we really buying into at this point in time? Like, I actually feel like that team is a bit underwhelming. I think it should be better than it is. It should be a top five team. I don't know if it's the other teams leveling up Obviously, at this major, we've had some smaller squads we were aware were really good. See, it feels to me like the chance to be a top team. I don't know if it's going to come for this squad. It looks, I would expect, I feel like I've seen them hit their ceiling now. This is the ceiling, it feels like. Yeah, and look, uh, the the issue for me is that, you know, the, the, I think overall there's been a, a talent dip in, in, in the team, um, you know, and it's it's kind of been a little bit of a progressive, you know, kind of a, a deterioration. But the big, the big one, the big, you know, thing I've kind of noticed is it's it's art, art. Oh yeah, he's dropped off a cliff, mate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's in like close to career worst form. Yep. If, if we extrapolate over the last few tournaments that they've performed at, and then if you go back to 2019, you know, I know it's a long time ago now, but that was when Fury really emerged yeah, yeah. as a legitimate contender to beating top teams, um, getting deep runs in tournaments. Art, and in particular his play style, the way he kind of broke For the sure. meta by being so aggressive, was, you know, a, a huge key component of it. And that, unfortunately... This is one of the downsides of having a unique playing style. You know, it, you, it can only work for you for so long. It's like, I remember, it's kind of reminiscent. I remember Happy, like when Happy was super effective was just because nobody could believe someone would lurk as hard as he would or bait as hard as he would. And he would just be in, in a place where you couldn't conceive someone would do it and it would catch you off guard and it would make his, you know, make his teams work because you had a lot of firepower to work with and you add that X factor suddenly you've got, you know, the potential to, to, to beat anyone. 
But then, you know, Art had this kind of hyper-aggressive style. Now people just wait for him. They just neutralize it. They know what he's going to do. And I feel that it's like he never really got a, a plan B. He never really adapted his game. There was a brief period, obviously, where he was kind of the team's primary orper. That in itself I thought created a dynamic in the team that wasn't effective either. But I just feel overall, tactically, they're a bit flat. His individual levels of performance are a bit flat. And they really need to get back to the drawing board and find something that can work. Because I do think with the core of Yuri, Kesarato and Safe, I think that's a great three to build around. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what they can do if Art is married to the team, essentially then, you know, this this picking up an academy player uh, and trying to give them the necessary experience isn't going to work out, even though I don't think drop was the problem in Antwerp. So, yeah, it, it, the word is plateaued, I think, for me. Yeah, the problem is, it's like you say, I mean, it applies to teams as well. Sometimes even the number one teams like this, they have a style that's so effective. But then obviously the other teams aren't idiots. They don't just sit on their hands. They go back and they go, right, what can I do within my approach to counter your style? Or do I need another player? Like maybe your style relies on being slightly more skilled than me, right? Bring in another piece of firepower. Let's get that. Let's level up maybe a more experienced player in this like supportive. Whatever you do, you're all the other teams are always reacting to the people who found success. So I've always thought the big mistake in Counter-Strike is my theory on a lot of those players is the reason they develop a super unique playing style is if you look at it in, like quite cynically, usually they have something a bit selfish and they just get to the point where normally you'd have to drop that because it's a bit selfish, but they become like amazing at it. So baiting, being super aggro. And for a while, it's like, well, perfect marriage. You like to do it. You're really effective at it and no one can stop you. No problem, right? The problem is when people start to counter it and people start to figure out what you're doing, a lot of those players just ride it to the bitter end and they really will just go all the way down the rankings, out of teams and other teams and I've always thought the mistake in Counter-Strike is this people say how oh, you have to like adapt on etc it's not that you have to literally copy what the top team does but every time someone brings something new you have to look in your toolkit and say what do I have that actually can essentially play against that you don't have to be as good but the joke is I could even use I rarely ever use fucking soccer references here could even use what just happened in the fucking European Cup final basically if you watch that Clearly, Liverpool are the better team, but the other team played exactly the way you should play against all of Liverpool's strengths, and they basically pressured their few vulnerabilities so that if you got one break, you could win the game. And that's basically what they did. So to me, the problem with teams like this is they always stay stuck in the way that they go. And they, if you notice in interviews, those people, they just become more and more bitter, unfortunately, over the years. Suddenly it becomes that like, a, like everyone else is wrong, even though the results aren't coming. And they, this is the downside, unfortunately, that whole thing of like, don't listen to anyone else, just believe in yourself. It's like, yeah, to some degree, you've got to have people in your circle who give it to you for real, though. And if someone came to those players for real, if you remember in the early days, the logic was we've got to get some of you guys out of here. Like Fury looks like a dodgy org, those massive contracts. Now with the other orgs falling apart, Fury is the place to be. So for me, you've got to go the other way now, guys. Now it's got to be right. Let's realistically look at this team. What's not working and who do we get in? Because to me, it's got to be like, I think at this point in time, the obvious move is in game leader. We've got to, I don't know who it is. Look, it's hard. Maybe it has to be it. Fuck it. Could even be Taco, by the way. Has to be someone though. I think someone has to take over being the IGL. Because I look at those pieces and those pieces can be a lot better than this. There's no, there's absolutely nothing against people like Kesara or Yuri. They are mega players. They should, they deserve better for me. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and, you know, listen, I, I, I'm not too sure if we will see like some sort of, you know, blockbuster move, if you like. Fury have a tendency to sort of box a bit clever in the transfer market. I think they've had their fingers burned 
you know, a number of times with stuff like the Henny move and, and, you know, they're probably a little bit adverse to working with some of the more big names, let's say. The irony of having Neymar associated with your club and not understanding you might have to spend all the money in the world to get the right players. Like, mm. you know what, guys? <laughs> if I can't convince you now, I'm never going to have that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, ne- next up, NIP. Uh, I thought... Um, you know, it was, it was a mixed bag for NIP. Let's sort of, you know, cover everything that, that went on. As we talked about last episode, there was the story about the sticker money. Yes. It's, it's you know, I, I know this is going to sound weird, but this is like Richard the podcaster talking, not Richard the journalist. But it is going to, you know, it is going to negatively impact on teams, I believe, when stories like any news story, any distraction, um, it gets social media chatter and it is going to impact on, uh, your focus potentially. Uh, but I think overall, there were a number of things that really gave me kind of pause for thought about this NIP lineup. So first of all, we know Hitchum Shaheen, the CEO, he's on record as saying he believes that the NIP roster isn't complete until the device comes back. Hampus, on the other hand, Someone who, by the way, I, I, he seems really out, out of sync it's with weird, management. It? It, it's it's yep. like he doesn't get the memo. You know, yep. he, did, he did this before when they were bringing in the academy players and, and the NIP management were probably yes. talking about the NIP system. And Hampus like, is on HLTV confirmed going, I don't fucking, I don't know what's going on with any of this shit. I just do what I'm told. And it's like, oh, okay. Is it a system? Is it not? You know? And so he, he said... This is the five I want, as in, no, device isn't coming back. Not not if I have any say in it. And it really gives a kind of, a them and us kind of feel to the management and the players in NIP. They don't seem to be on the same page. They don't seem to be synced in their, in their beliefs. And with that said, you know, it probably is, a, you know, making top eight again and taking a map off phase before, you know, a capitulation on Inferno, but it's probably a, a better run than you could have accounted for. The device question was being asked ahead of this event. Um, you know, first, like, t- like first major where we're going to see Esatag up for the team. He gave a decent account of himself. I, 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 I'm still not sold on it moving forward, but he, he did decent numbers. And overall, I, I think they can feel pretty pleased with this campaign, even though I did get the impression that they they had set themselves a standard to go a bit further in the tournament. Yeah, the thing that I find interesting is when that line comes out, and by the way, this is where the fact device played for Astralis and then Nip is going to seem so fucking weird for the rest of history. They're the same fucking org. They're just the same dickheads who all think sports is the secret. And because they got a bit of money through the door, they've mastered esports. They all think they have sprawling systems that create players and like None of these things exist, of course, in reality. In fact, if you just took the nameplates off, no one would know that these were the products of these amazing systems. Look at the teams they've got. And the joke is, after every, and as you say, just like Glaive with this statement today, we might get to at some point, they're also saying, like, if people don't know, Glaive did a tweet where he just includes the words like, and two hours sports director. So you're tweeting it. Out the guy now, not just go down the hall and just go, hey, by the way, that idea wasn't yeah. right. Like, what is going on here? Like, same thing with you. Like, I don't get it, mate. I get it if the player says nothing, but the idea the player's going to contradict what the org says is just really weird, especially when these are the bloody in game leaders, the guys that you'd think you'd have on side and would know your plan 
So to me, that I think all of a sudden when I hear that line, I start to understand a lot more about why it's so important to have Broland come in. That sounds like something the other Swedish players and Nip would ask for. That's yeah. how, that's why it starts to make sense, why they've actually been so good since the vice hasn't been there. They're way better than they should have been. Because guess what? They really might have thought, fuck it, he's never coming back. Forget that pipe dream, boys. We're not waiting till next event. This event's it. Does our careers start playing? And get them and their new coach, what an admirable job they've done because every bloody other org would have an excuse. I mean, the joke is, he's not even in Astralis and the Astralis fans all complain. Yeah, but if Device comes back, that's their fucking line. They they really are on that fucking meme thing of like device eight walking through that door. Are you sure? Are you sure he's not like fucking hell? That can't be the standard. So I think Nip's done a fucking amazing job. I even think the Broland move low key looks like a fantastic sign. He looks like he's slotted right in. He's as good as you'd hope he would be. You see, at this event, they're not even a complete team, but those three rifles are just fucking good boys. Those are really good players right now. Coach seems to have a good grasp on the team. I still have my questions, like you say, the S attack one. I think that has to be resolved at some point in time. I don't really know that they have the true IGL. Doesn't look like it's mattering as much now. Seems like they're getting results. Mm. I think quietly they've become a solid squad. Like I actually, I, it's actually a team I enjoy watching play. Before it used to be one where that had the whole thing of like, yeah, but it's no divide. You just keep thinking of that a million times. I don't think that anymore. I just enjoy them for what they are, mate. I know you've been critical of Hampus in, in the past. Uh, do you fuck with the narrative that he deserves a lot of credit because he's having to continually work with like stand-ins, academy players, different players? That makes it harder roles. for sure. The thing for me with him is this. I just think it's a bit like the art scenario. I just think he's better if you'd just be an individual player and someone else carried IGL duties. I don't even get the vibe, quite frankly, themselves with that whole ZTR narrative and things he said on podcast. It sounds to me like he doesn't, he isn't 100% in on being the IGL. I imagine if you brought, if you came to him tomorrow and you just told him, like, I've right, got MSL, or so, I imagine he'd just go, yeah, no problem. You take that. I'll, I'll be back to my shit. Because as an individual player, I think he's very effective. I think he's like mad underrated in that regard. The problem is if we pair him with being an IGL, it's a bit like what happened to Blame eventually blame f had to carry the can that the results of the team weren't good enough but once you stop him being the igl now it's just praise mate now i've got no i've got no criticisms of you, you do your job you bagger yeah that's fair i mean for me um i you know i uh kind of feel that he's never like the whole t side thing was valid criticism but i think people have never really you know kind of given him um the kind of props he deserves as an IGL. I mean, like I've been on kind of the Hampus, you know, train for a while. I, w I wanted him to get this gig in the first place. And, you know, listen, I'll, I'll tell you the way this organization is focused. It, it clearly doesn't really care about the day-to-day -day problems that face IGLs in the team. You know, like how can I come up with a fucking playbook if I, first of all, have to explain that playbook multiple, multiple times to multiple people, all with different learning styles and different ways that they metabolize information. But also like, okay, we don't have Fozzy in the team anymore. Now Esther tags the Orpa. Well, he might, he might not fuck with the tactics I've worked, you know, extensively on. And by the way, I already changed them one time because before we had Device. And not only is Device an Orpa, he's our star player. And so he's always going to get input. I have to keep him happy. Now it's a little bit different when it's an academy player. Maybe I can do things a bit more out. He's probably had to revise his tactics like repeatedly. And then on top of that, getting everybody bedded in and, and, you know, friendly with each other. You know, a good IGL will play a little bit of a role in that, encouraging people, making bridges, conflict resolution. You know, you, you think about Carrigan at, at, at Fears historically and, and what makes him a great IGL. Uh, it's, you know, it's like, I think Ampus has done a fucking legitimate job here where he should be, you know, considered 
not like one of the best IGLs in the world. Let's not go too far. But I mean, he needs to be respected as one of the top working in-game leaders right now, currently, given all the challenges he's had to overcome. I mean, that's, you know, that's where I'm at with it mentally, at least. Um, but yeah, uh, back to the device question. Uh, I, I just want to wrap a bow on it because I don't think we're ever talking <coughs> about him within the context of NIP ever again. Um, I, you know, it's over, right? He's yes. Gone. Yeah. Feels like it at this point yeah. in time. Based on everything I've heard, everything, every even even these current things we're talking about here from the NIP side, everything suddenly starts to hint towards that. Like the real crazy thing to me is it starts to make me also wonder if that stupid hit from Jahimchi, which instantly got deleted, was like some sort of fucking chess move. Like, right, drive the price up on device because I secretly I want to. These guys aren't smart. The problem you have to realize is you just it's have to get you have to either. get their pattern of what they're doing. Not exactly like. It doesn't work that way, mate, but whatever. Mm. I will say, though, like, sadly, I do think when we look back, that will just go down as one of the stupidest moves of all time, especially if any of the reasons as to why it happened come out. It, it, it will age very, very poorly. It'll just be looked at, sadly, as someone did just burn a year of his career for no real reason. Well, look, I'll I'll go one further on that front. Um, it'll go down as one of the worst signings of all time. It'll easily eclipse uh, Snacks' this three hundred thousand sure. dollar acquisition to Mouseport. How can I say that? Well, because Snacks actually fucking played. Yeah, true. You know, we're, we're we're about to go into June. Device hasn't played since you know the second week of December. He went to a handful of tournaments with this team, including a fairly insipid performance at the major in Stockholm where a domestic team really should have set themselves a higher standard. Sure. I think top eight with this squad here is a much better achievement than top eight uh, in Stockholm Absolutely. in your home nation when they were like ranked number two in the world at that time. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if it is the reputed million euro transfer fee, which spoiler, watch this space. That's almost certainly not true. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's been wasted money. And I'll all, I also get the vibe as well, because, you know, we all see Device out there grinding and playing FPL and stuff like this. I think, I think he wants to be on, on a team, just maybe not this one. I think mentally he's probably ready to come back now. And I think he might even have wanted to come back for this major. Like, it, it, it seems very, very weird the way things are being done. And like, just to tie it together, we'll talk about this cursed IEM Dallas event in the next episode, but just to tie it together, they needed a sub. Twelve and yep. they bring back ZTR who just left their Academy and not device. The guy who you had as a sub for the major. Nah, he's gone. Like, I mean, yeah, people, yeah he's a hundred percent gone at that point. So yeah. And, and by the way, you know, he's got the paperwork and everything. So, yeah, whatever. Seems to me like they just actually made a blockbuster move, didn't think it through, something broke down, and now they've just kind of, like, wanted it to peter out. I mean, I also was told that, be you know, because he's on sick leave, the way the Swedish state works for an employee uh, is that they'll pick up the costs as long as he's got valid doctor's certification. Oh, mate. That, that, like this is what I hate about esports. Now I have to start calling the question this whole thing about mental health. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's yeah. an we question. Doesn't mean I'm saying it didn't happen, but it has to be questioned. Yeah. No, that's reality. When you know there's literally an incentivized aspect where that, that might even be necessary to make mm -hmm. some sort of statement like that. 
Yeah, I think I think so. You know, it's like, yeah. it, 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 like, I, don't get me wrong. I absolutely do believe Device had, you know, mental health problems, and I believe he had an extreme physical response to those. Problems. Of course, yes. But I, but I also think just looking at, just reading between the lines and looking at all the pieces in play, I think he probably wants to be back to playing on a team, and maybe, maybe that team is Astralis. Maybe it's another team. Maybe it's any team. Maybe it's this team. You know, players want to play at the end of the day, and, and I think Device is looking at it. It's like you say, he's not getting any younger. I mean, this is like a whole year of his career yep. that's essentially been wasted. He's missed a major. That can't feel good. That's going to severely impact on all of the records and everything else that we have down the road. So, yeah, I think um, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, if the Astralis return rumours are, are true, um, you're going to have to wonder what this whole fucking thing was about in the first place. It just looks so clumsily handled from start to finish. Uh, right, so next up. This is the one, and you'll you'll enjoy this. Heroic, uh, man alive. Uh, they right. Here, here's a question for a historian: Are they bigger chalk artists than the old TSM lineup? The you know pre-Glave joining Astralis, where they were perennial runners up. I think I have to say yes, because here's the thing. At least they were fucking runners up. At least they could win. The problem with this team is, like, it's why the, again, without getting ahead of myself, it's why them just dropping out entirely out of that IM Dallas is like, you motherfuckers are so cursed. You're on some cursed monkey paw shit. That was one of the few events you looked like the world was open to win, you idiots. Yeah. That's where you catch fears in sort of the post-major hangover still. They're still loving that shit. Everyone else has stand-ins. You rock up, you get through an easier bracket, you get a couple of easy games, you have one big match, you have to win. Fish by sports, suddenly you got a trophy. Suddenly you're on that Grand Slam fucking hunt yourself. Instead, what happens? Zero trophies ever. Basically, all fuck all finals ever. And yet they do the same thing every time. In some ways, they remind me of that team, but they're a worse version. Because what that team would do was more like this. They would win the smaller event featuring all the same teams. Yeah. This team... It's like they can beat all the teams in the group stage. If it's in the group stage, they can beat Na'Vi, mate. You see it. Like, they can beat everyone. The problem is when it's a big pressure match, they beat themselves. And that's why, to me, they are chokers as well. Because when I look at this squad, it can't just be the opponent because the amount of opponents it's happened to is crazy now. It doesn't matter the circumstances. Anytime it's the big stage match, it always happens to these guys. And then on top of it, it's why I've even said that angle that, like, I don't know if Cadian gets that. Like, I don't think your public persona vibes with your teammates, mate. Because they look like the guys who want as little pressure as possible. They look like the guys who don't want this to be a bragging rights match or to be considered the favourite. They look like the guys who, by the way, like those Gambit guys, almost wish we could rewind the clock and not give you all that praise because of the online era. Because the online era's expectations have fucked these teams up the arse. If we had no online era, the story with these teams would be like up-and-coming squads. Like, wow, yeah. another topic. Sure, they haven't broken through yet, but let's see what happens in the next... The problem is because we've all seen the online era, now most people were sort of out on this squad like I have to say I knew this team was fucking losing I even thought in the match like look they came close to beating Navi but this is the heroic story it's always so close to winning and then a capitulation that's the other problem with the choker to me is you can lose close games Losing close games sure. is one thing. They also do have those halves where you just see them mentally broken and then it's just like, right, 
the game's gone. It's coming away. It's why I even think it's actually, it's now splashing onto Stown a little bit, in my opinion, because the problem is individually mega player, but he isn't the player. He's not fucking, like, put it I'll use another football example. The thing I always thought was mega about the Portuguese Ronaldo is, he really would just always score a goal when he had to. Anytime it was a massive game and you need to one goal to it, he'll get that goal. Stown's the player where it's like, he'll get a couple of chances. If they come his way, he'll do his job. He's a good fundamental player. He's not breaking the game. And so if, as heroic goes, so Stown will go and Actually. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll add to that point as well. You know, the reason that their chokers are in those close games, it's fine to lose close games, but you win some as well, right? Because they've got games. to win some. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, that's, yes. that's the nature of the beast. It feels like heroic. Don't do that. No, no. And, you know, I have to say as well, like, it, it's, it's kind of. One thing I'll, I'll just toss in this as well, because I forgot yeah, to say this. This is why they'll never get this. I know. I know this will still hit the triggers and all the stupid people. So you go for it. Write the write the YouTube comments. Write the threads about how we hate Rourke. This is one of the reasons. If people don't get it, why I keep stressing like that they over celebrate the silly group stage results. Yep, like exactly. they are, the joke is, I want to see that energy from Cadian that he had against Nico there. No, no, that don't use a silly Twitter beef to be the ultimate one. Show me it in the playoffs. Show me against Navi, mate. People have disrespected you. People Show think me you're the best of three. Yeah, exactly. Bring that energy then. That's when I want it. Yeah. Instead, you blow all, it's like you blow all your energy on the meaningless group stage game. And then in the big playoff game, you just quietly lose, sheepishly get red in the cheek and shake the other guys. And fuck that noise, mate. Come on. Like you're like Richard's saying, if these are really close games, one, one or two's got to go your way. You've yeah. got to get your share, surely. Yeah, I mean, look on 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 that point. Like the uh, the the, pro- the problem is that I feel. Listen, I get it. I understand what Cadian is trying to do. I understand it totally from a psychological perspective. He's trying to be a lightning rod. He's trying to hype up his players. He's trying to show them that you know there's there's nothing to fear here. We can be fucking. You know, we can be hyped and pumped up and I'll I'll throw a chair over and I'll be the centre of attention and I'll even make a fool of myself if needed. But don't you worry. All you've got to do is turn up and play. But the problem is, you know, Cadian isn't an elite-level opera. He's not going to take over a game. Yes. This team basically lives or dies by Stown's performances. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it, it, it just... It isn't... They don't have enough because... One player will go missing and heroic to work has to be all five ready to step up to the big occasion. And the, the, the sad truth is often it's Cadian himself who goes missing in these big championship games. Didn't happen a lot here at this major, fair enough. We'll talk about refresh in a second and his potential future in, in, in the squad. But I, I'm going to tell you, the way, the way they went out of the tournament, it, you know, after getting battered on Nuke, coming back into it, and then Cady and team flashing his teammate in the only possible way they could have conceivably lost the round would be if Cady and threw a terrible flash blinded his teammate. It was the only way they could lose, and they did the it. The best part yeah. is the camera was even on the teammate because yeah. his teammate was yeah. about to get like a lineup and kill two <laughs> people on that. So, it, it, like any other POV, you don't even see the flash in the same way, but yeah. you just see his teammate about to shoot them, and then he gets blinded. You're like, it was such a, that. It was such a perfect flash. If it memory was. serves me right, I think somebody thought it was a flash from a Navi player, right. but they couldn't right. see. So they were like, I, I think, it, I think one of the casters might have said it. Certainly when we were watching right. the game on the No Majors Club, we were like, "Is that, was that an RV flash? And then we like re-watched it and we I were like... I don't blame you, it was a great yeah, flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was too perfect. Yes. And so, you know, look, 
I'll, I'll also say on Nuke in particular, Refresh went missing. He's done this a lot. This was a terrible, terrible tournament for Refresh. And so we, we get asking questions like Heroic have now took this lineup to a kind of successful mediocrity. You know they are going to do okay, but you also know they are never going to win. Outside of ESL Pro League, it hasn't really been, you know, like great on the international circuit for them. And so maybe they might want to get thinking about roster changes. Um, and that wasn't that one of the studio events as well. So like, again, exactly. stages, yeah. are there, they can't do it, mate. Yeah. That's another thing I have. I think it's a weird thing about their team. I want to ask you about though, because mm. obviously they've been in that really weird spot where they used to be a tiny org that was way overperforming. Now they've yeah. got money in theory, but you notice the issue is this. When Astralis was dicking around with their lineup, it allowed this team to get the players in that made them even better. But I, that's one thing I wonder about. If you notice now, there's never any rumours about Heroic. There's never any rumours that their players go anywhere or that they get anyone. So I also feel like they're in this weird place where, like like I said, I hear the rumours that the Valde and Device people are going to Astralis. I never hear anything about like a big player going to Heroic. Like, I also feel like eventually a roster move's got to be on the cards. You can't keep the lineup forever. I, I think it's this, right? This is my take on it. I, now, this is just speculation on my part, right? But I know quite a bit about the Danish scene. And Astralis are so unbelievably popular in Denmark. They are essentially the only show in town. Yes. That it's like, do you want to spend millions to try and overtake that? And could you even? Like even if put a lot of groundwork in now, yeah, for sure. Like, years, like, years. Like let's let's be clear. Heroic is the best team in Denmark. Absolutely, they are nowhere near the most popular. And so, probably from a business perspective, it doesn't make sense to go out and make big money signings to maintain your skill superiority, which has been there for a long, long time, because you're not going to get into that market set saturation. You're not going to be able to suddenly synthesize a history where you had the greatest lineup of all time. You are not going to be able to have unbelievably like popular players with years of tenure, you know, and charisma, you know, in your history, you can't do that. All you can do is try and win tournaments and hope more and more people come over to your side. It probably also doesn't help that the most charismatic player on the squad by a long, long way, obviously, is Cadian. And he he seems to lurch from being incredibly charismatic and saying the right thing one day to being anti-charisma and saying ridiculous things the next day. And so, you know, Cadian Cadian himself is kind of like a a complex character um, and, and somebody that I think he has a general understanding of how the PR game is played, but often accidentally sets his team up to fail and look stupid, which I don't think helps his young squad at all. So there's lots of issues, but I think it just boils down to why spend money when you can, you will, you will never be more popular than Astralis. Like it, it, you would need five years of sustained success, winning majors and probably having another two or three players that, are incredibly good with PR and public facing and streaming and all that other stuff. It's just, it's too much to build. So why, why even begin? Um, the one thing I will say is they must be like, they must be on the phone to Valde. I know it looks like Valde is going to join Astralis, but for me, he fixes all your problems. Well, at least two or three of them. That'd um, be a great pickup. You know, help. great personality as well, if people don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
big personality, uh, former IGL, very intelligent in how he thinks about the game, likes to help with mid-round calling if required, uh, not faced by pressure, you know, and if Refresh is the guy who has to go, I think overall at this tournament, he had something like a 0.87 rating. It was, it was really bad. Um, you know, if it has to be Refresh that has to go, then, you know, get somebody who's mature, get somebody with experience, get somebody who I say is like, you know, not going to get phased in those high pressure uh, uh, tournaments and then help KD and out. Maybe he doesn't have to throw a chair across a room and act as a lightning rod and make a tit of himself all the time. If he has a, a kind of like, a, a wingman, so to speak. So I, I'm I'm very surprised Heroic haven't been linked with him, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I never hear anything behind the scenes. Not even like I'd like to go. I think you never hear anything. You'd almost think they exist in some fucking parallel phantom zone or some shit. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so the other team uh, we should probably uh, talk about um, is, of course, Spirit. Uh, they are the revelation of the of the major. Um, and we kind of uh, like I'm writing an article at the moment, right? Where I'm, I'm kind of exploring this whole uh, emergent esports iron curtain is 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 the phrase where we're very highly likely to see Russian teams that don't want to relocate or Russian players who don't want to relocate and certain orgs, irrespective of whether or not they yes. relocate, are just going to be playing essentially against themselves, maybe Belarusians maybe Chinese teams, but they're going to be on their own side of this esports iron curtain. And it's only going you to know, be... You notice most story. people haven't even considered this still. We tried to get ahead of this story. I did that video, but you know what, two months ago now or something, but, like, but it still hasn't ticked for people because here's the problem with... It's basically people on Reddit, let's be real, because Reddit isn't actually about having discussions and stuff. It's about pretending you're also an insider because you watch more interviews than everyone else and trying to go, well, actually, I think, you know, Blame F would have said that if you'd wanted to. You, you, the guy who's always the well-actually reply guys. That's who Reddit is, basically. Yeah. One thing I've noticed they did is this... They love to be the stupidest people on every legal and political matter. They'll hear one simple thing and they'll go, right, that's a rule. And they'll repeat it endlessly. So in the same way as the classic one is, they just repeat endlessly. It's impossible to have booths in eSports because of fire restrictions. I and I just watch Dota all year long and go, well, I guess my eyes are deceiving me, Rich. This isn't happening. Obviously, these, this must be in Timbuktu or fucking, you know, some fucking island of plastic fort in the Atlantic. These can't be real vents. So similarly, right? Because in the early days, G2 were the most proactive, spoiler, I told Carlos, I'm one out shot for this, mate, it's going to bite you up the arse. They were the ones pushing, right, what's the solution? And they saw, right, maybe we can get Monacy, like Serbian nationality or something, or a passport, and that'll help him. He can move there, we've got a base of players there, and that's going to be our get-out plan. They know Joe Richard took that, copy and pasted it, and were like, right, every single Russian player I have ever heard of will just move to Serbia and get the nationality, and they are all fine, there is no problem, we can continue. That's why to this day, they're all still like, you notice they all still think the only reason any of those players could be leaving Navi is like the social media tweets and likes and things like they can only access the world through the prism of shitty drama. And like they can't ever actually look at like what real world logistics make it hard. Because when I looked into this, the first thing I thought, mate, was, well, it's all well and good if you're a G2. It's all well and good if you're Navi. Maybe, maybe a team like VP, if they get the right money, can get this done. But even then they'd have needed the players to leave. I actually personally think almost every 
everyone below that is in deep shit. And I personally think the spirits, the entropics, the fears, like the fucking the forces of the world. I, I really wonder what's happening to these guys. Some part of me feels like it's like you say, they're just going to be in an alternate circuit where they don't interact with what we consider Counter-Strike, essentially. And we'll just essentially have the memory hole they ever existed up to the moment when it happens, whenever it could, sounds like it's going to be in the summer. So I, I get the vibe. There's not going to be, there's not going to be an out for a lot of these people. Yeah. And what's, what's also worth, uh, worth noting is, you know, we've already seen again, just to come why I'm Dallas briefly, but not exploring in depth. Look at the visa shits there. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like America, start. Um, the, the, uh, right. The American, Esports space is moving away from Counter Strike. We can, yes. we can, we can feel that. Absolutely. I mean, I, everyone's good balls deep in Valorant. Yep. And I, and I, and I feel that coupled with these visa restrictions um, against, you know, like officially, they're not, there is no nation that is denying Russian people no, no. visas on the basis of nationality. Um, that, 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 that's, that's the official line. But I think certainly with the current geopolitical situation, you are going to have a much, much harder time uh, than you would before. And it was, and spoiler, it was already mega difficult. Oh, um, it was, yes. To get into the United States with a visa. I think if I had to guess, if you go back in history, I'm talking about 1.6 as well. If you go and look at big American events, they are the most famous events ever for having to have stand-ins for CIS players. Like yeah. we're talking about even the Navis of the world have had to go with stand-ins. Like actually, funny enough, people like Snacks himself have missed events in America in the past. Yep, yep, and and it's like you know it's always been a, a a finicky nation to get the correct paperwork to go and compete for. That's why. Oh, I can't even get the visa both times. The two times I've applied, fans, I've had the visa thing where I get denied and I have to go yeah. back with the more evidence. Go through. Yeah. So I, if I'm doing that, good luck to the young guy you've never heard of from Russia who's just applied for his first visa. Like, yeah, it's, you can it's, hope. You can hope. It's it's <laughs> it's really tough, and so you know you've got that going on. Um, and you have to start wondering, like, what what is the benefit? You know, yes. what what is the benefit to even going to those American tournaments in the first place? Where again, I'm going to be very surprised if I am Dallas is a sellout. Um, you know, and so what's it for? You're you're chipping away at a market that's never coming aboard for you anyway. So you've got these like coupled, you know, coupled with everything else that's going on. There's just huge disincentives for this type of travel in the first place. It's a lot of money, a lot of expenditure, a lot of problems, a lot of red tape, a lot of paperwork for not a lot of rewards. So why would you do it? So, um, you know, I think we are going to see now, some orgs aren't going to be affected. And this is where it gets interesting because Team Spirit, are obviously one of them, they relocated to Serbia. They've handled the messaging around the geopolitical situation in a way that um, a lot of other uh, orgs have, have like fucked up, you know, namely Virtus Pro. Like for example, when Spirit went to a Dota tournament, they wore white jerseys with the word peace across instead of any sponsors or anything like that. Now, by the way, spoiler, if they were living in Russia and not Serbia, they probably would have been arrested oh, of course not. Uh, upon their return. Yes, yes. But, but regardless, you know, they've handled the messaging. But here's the thing, like Team Spirit don't, they haven't said who owns them or any of this stuff. And it's just crazy. It's just like wildly inconsistent. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of like trying to cobble, cobble it all together um, and trying to make sense of it because I don't know what's going to happen to the CIS region. And viewership was down at this major because of everything. And the CIS region was a huge oh, for um, sure. You know, part of our like success in viewing figures. I feel that 
Navi's business approach has maybe made some of their Russian fans not want to support them anymore. Understandably. And don't get me wrong, it's misguided, but you you know how... No, but that's how people are going to emotionally react, of course. Yes, that's why it's it's understandable. Yeah, it's human nature, unfortunately. And it's, you know, there's a lot going on. There's like... So uh, for me, there's there's almost like a, a... a special poignancy to this team spirit performance because you have to wonder, you know, whether you'll ever see any yes. sort of like this again. This is a team that has a core of Russian players that have been around the block, very, very talented. Um, you know, uh, Dexter was absolutely mega this tournament. Should the- absolutely be the next global superstar if, if, if we didn't have the circumstances we have at the moment in the scene. Like, you can see why there was those rumours, but there was even... T- like, there was rumours like TL were fucking yeah. attached to potentially get him, and I can see why. It would have been a great pickup. Yep. But but the, the bigger part of the spirit story is, and, you know, this is, this is clearly something the organisation excels at, is that they managed to find two players who, I'll be honest, Watching them play online, I was like, I'm not really vibing no, of with this at all. But this was their first ever tier one LAN. Um, f- the first ever, I think, for Siren. I think Patsy had played like two local LAN events where total prize money for him was like $200 or something. That was the totality of their LAN experience. They've come to a major and they've made it to the semi-finals. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. Without their coach at that. Yeah, yeah, without their coach, exactly. <laughs> That's it's, mental, in it? I know. Which, which, by the way, I, I never want to hear about, like, whining about adversity ever again, because, like, Spirit have just made a complete mockery of that. I mean, they might feel a bit aggrieved. They might feel with their coach there, maybe they could have got gone even further and made it to the final. But, I mean, listen... Not only did they play incredibly well, not only is it an amazing story based on the relative experience, but they served up one of the best games in the major. The phase spirit match was absolutely mega. It was a 2-0. It was close. It was back and forth. Had a fantastic uh, cast associated with it as well. And yeah, that was probably the game of the major for me. Um, They were were just a joy to watch. And um, I'm hoping that because they have relocated to Serbia, at least this team is still going to be able to get to international tournaments um, and and build on this because this is a very exciting start. Yeah, I mean, look, even beyond the others where who knows how it goes for the newer players that are coming in, obviously the squad itself, people wouldn't have expected them to go as deep. Dexter is absolutely someone where, like, I ho- just hope he can keep playing in the Western scene because this is someone who can be a very special player. Like, he could be within that vein of the the simples, the electronics. That we're talking about the real star players, the people who could actually just do incredible. Like, he, could, he could be a top ten player this year at Chelsea if they went to enough events. Like, that's on the table for someone like that. You can just see it. The eye test checks out like a motherfucker. And last major, he was at this level, needed more experience. Now he's had the two majors. Now's the time when you blow up if you get the chance to play. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, like I say, the, the, the CEO seems pretty savvy. I'd still like to know who owns the team because I do worry about there being a potential sting in the tail somewhere that if it turns out it's someone like an oligarch type figure, it could completely isolate them again from the yep. international community and and all of their efforts, um, you know, with the relocation to Serbia, they're profoundly anti-war statements um it would all be for naught and uh you know that would be fucked up because as i said i think they're one of the most exciting teams we've got now uh in terms of uh, the global shake-up that's about to happen in Rostomania. remember they've got their rookie stars now you yes. know so everyone else is going to be um you know adding pieces removing pieces 
Team Spirit are going to shoot up the rankings. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll watch this space. Uh, the other uh, team uh, probably we should talk about, and then we'll get into the final and talk about everything that's happened there, um, is Ents. You know, we did uh, we did feel that Ents were another good dark horse pick. Uh, you know, Spinks was one of the players at the tournament. We predicted that. We said he would be. We also predicted great things from over the course of the year, although going to miss IEM Dallas, um, but like so many others. Uh, but, I mean, obviously... They, they lacked that big game experience at a major and um, they, they, they were really flat against Na'Vi, I thought, especially on their map pick and nuke, you know, they got battered. That was definitely there for the taking because Na'Vi hadn't been playing nuke. I know they were sort of like picking it, like they were happy to play it. But, you know, they haven't, they, after their streak got broke, they sort of went away from it. And so I feel like Ents sort of let themselves down a little bit in this game. Uh, you know, Hades kind of went a bit missing, but whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, fantastic campaign. And if you just said, you know, you're going to go there and and make it to the, you know, quarterfinals, um, sorry, semifinals of a major before this, you know, they would have they would have absolutely took it. I think it's a, you know, fantastic story um, and kind of a fantastic end to the first half of the year for Ents. For me, Ents is a team that's, it's an example of how when you get really, really good, there are things outside of the server that you have to fix mentally. You Essentially, you have to sort of even understand that you are good enough to play in this scenario. That team with all the big names, they're not better than you just because they got the big names. It's not a scenario where you're not, because you've never been here, you can't win this much. So those are, these are things you have to overcome. That's why you have to be there a few times usually before it ticks over for you and it's your turn to go to the final. Like, I genuinely feel like if they played even maybe Na'Vi, but they played you in the quarterfinals where you get them as soon as you're in the playoffs. That's a game you might win. Once you're in the semis, you're already thinking, now could be the final. In this scenario, you played Na'Vi in that one. Hey, maybe they play a bit off the game like they did against Heroic. You don't want any of these thoughts in your mind. You want to just go in, play your best game, hope it's enough, you get through. If they'd even be on the other side of the bracket, I'd love to see how they would have fared against a phase or if they played an NIP or a Spirit or something. I think there's a lot of worlds where they could have gone even further, but let's be real. Semi-finals of the World Championship is fucking unbelievable for where this team was last major, where they were six months ago. And for the organization, like I'm going to do some stuff on this soon. This organization, it cannot be luck, guys. You don't do it in two totally different set of circumstances like this within a three-year span and get right back to the top of the game. Like these, the joke is these guys actually are like what Liverpool's done in terms of like they haven't needed the same like billions that fucking the Man Cities have. But even more so, this is like if the Leicester City squad had just kept winning after they'd done it the first time. Yeah. It's impossible to be as good as this squad is. So I just hope they can make the most of the next six, seven months. Because to me, this, the clock's begun on Spinks. Like there's a lot of teams in our aware. This guy is phenomenally good. There's no way you could be paying him enough. And let's be real, he's not from Finland. He has no special connection. He has to stay in. Hence, so my my opinion, the window is now opened. You've got a chance to actually win tournaments, to be a top five team in the world, to do big, big things this summer, going into the end of the year. And then you have to know if you're Ents, eventually someone's going to sign Spinks, and he is going to leave. And he's going to be on a bigger squad that you've got. There's a timer on that one, but mm. right now, all everything points up to me. It can only get better from here, I think. Yeah, well, just, just to add to that, uh, HLTV did their um, extra valuable player uh, piece that they do at the end of you know uh, the majors, and uh, they had him overall at third, and that was after bit and simple. So you know, arguably the most valuable player outside of Narvi, based on their statistical analysis. 
I'll read you a little bit of this. Um, they said uh, Spinks has been the breakout star of 2022, which yeah, that, that's uh, probably an understatement. Um, he said that the, he has a higher multi-frag frequency than simple, where it's 23.7%. Um, he's now getting an, a 1.10 opening kill rating as well. He had uh, a 1.68 rating when they beat FaZe at the very start of the legend stage, he completely took over that game of the team that eventually went on to lift the trophy, um, had a 1.51 rating against outsiders, a 1.45 rating against heroic and a 1.47 rating in the Copenhagen flames game, which was his stage debut. So, you know, what you've got there is you've got a player who actually turns up in the big games, you know, despite having no experience, he's completely unfazed, completely fearless. Stage doesn't appear to get to him either. Um, so, yeah, super promising player. Uh, and like, like you say, you know, you have to wonder, you know, if Edens haven't, because I know Nartu was out there. By the way, get well soon, brother. He caught the fucking COVID. Um, but uh, he, uh, he's, he's probably pulled him to one side and said, listen, we could uh, renegotiate your contract. Five years? A little bit more money, maybe massive buyout because you want to get that in because motherfuck- motherfuckers are going to come for this guy. Oh, absolutely. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm super happy for Ents as well. And all it took was getting rid of Arlen because <laughs> that was a dark time when you were anxious. Sure. That. Um, so, yeah, happy, happy they turned a corner in the end. Uh, right, let's do it then. The big one, the final um, phase Navi. Uh, FaZe got their major. We'll we'll talk about them second. Let's talk about Na'Vi. I, look, we, we had a feeling, I know you shared this feeling, that Na'Vi weren't going to be at the peak of their powers um, at, this, uh, at this event. There's a lot going on, a lot of mitigating circumstances for that. There was also uh, the Boomich question, uh, which was, was he going to still be on the team? Spoiler on the day we're recording this, we now know the answer to that is no. Um, for those that aren't aware, um, his wife had expressed support for Putin and the Russian military. Yes, the wife that accepted his proposal from the previous major. They've also had some marital problems leading to some... It's been on and off as far as I can tell, yeah. Yes, which has led to some you know, speculation that, I don't know, I'm not going to indulge in it. I mean, sadly, he did it all publicly. So guess what? This is what happens when you do it publicly. It's one thing, by the way, if he'd said nothing publicly about this relationship and all those people in CIS region were speculating, I'd say they have to shut the fuck up. That's totally unacceptable, unprofessional. It is unfortunate. When he put it on Broad Street and he did it at the last major, then then people are sadly going to follow that like they do their fucking celebrity gossip, aren't they? That's what it's become. Yeah, it's overshadowed this team, unfortunately. Yeah, and and you know, it it as we'll get to next episode, it's sort of hard to it's hard to argue, really. I mean, listen, it's the first time I've ever seen a player get dropped for something their wife did. I don't like that as a precedent. That's mental, isn't it? Yeah. But I'll also add, I think there were other issues. It's not just that, it's a totality of everything else um that's going on so we'll, we'll get into that next time but anyway the bottom line is navi did have a lot of question marks about it coming yep. in were we even gonna get peak simple was another question as well we didn't not when it was at least when it mattered we didn't and so um navi really kind of made it to this final predicated on two things in my opinion first is electronics eternal land buff which is just 
the stuff of legends. It's absolutely insane how good he gets at land compared to what he's like online. Just one of those guys who's built for it and um, had an unbelievable performance. I think it was the Newt game against Entz where he like just popped off and just destroyed them. Uh, and then, of course, Bit, probably the greatest rookie in the history of the game at this point, you would have to say. Uh, he was statistically their best player over the tournament. He had huge impact. He was great in this final, even. It was a real shame to see him on, on the losing side. Had they won, he would have been the youngest player ever to get back-to-back majors. Almost certainly would have won the MVP as well. I'm and would have sure. won the MVP, yeah. yep. So, yeah. I mean, listen, you know, Na'Vi were in it uh, at various times, but I do feel that if it was the same Na'Vi without the geopolitical situation and all of the impact it's had on this team that had come to Antwerp if it was if we were living in the Stockholm world at Antwerp I think they would have had two majors back to back yes Uh, but it's weird the way the year ended where they they closed out all the lands they won all of them that they attended absolutely if 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 all this stuff doesn't happen look you could certainly still have had events where obviously you dipped or you lost to a team and they played well i i think that team would have won two majors i think they would have had an era i think they would have just gone nearly they might have lost maybe one land maybe they could have lost the kind of eight say but they would have had a march otherwise where everything would be top four top six they'd win most of the tournaments i don't know that it'd be as dominant but i think they would have won i mean they almost won this one i know people are going to think like they didn't they they almost did guys they really would have like even that second map's a totally different map if you pick your inferno into them not even their best map and they beat you on it mate you're thinking twice on that next map all of a sudden yeah. the new game is a very different scenario they play without pressure now now it's a free roll for them and if they get to the third map guys the third map i think was the ancient like i think they would have won that i think that actually was that's where the danger yeah. for phase uh, no I, I, totally I thought they had to two zero yeah. you know yeah. that's yeah. why for me the way phase one inferno i didn't have any diss on navi although certainly simple played like shit in the final but whatever by the way even as the best possible excuse you could ever have is he's got all that shit going on with his fucking shit back at home and his team's falling apart he knows it's probably it that's going to put insane extra pressure. But even with that to one side, it was more like I just looked at Fears and I was like, bloody hell, if you're going to do these moves and get the result and win the rounds, you're just meant to win. This is one of those days where you just, you know, in the same way as you have the day where everything goes wrong, the red light go, comes on when you need it to be green, the elevator closes just as you run it. You have the other days where everything's just going flawless. That was that was what it was for Fears. Because, yeah, I really feel like another day... Different performance was simple. They win this major, even without being at peak power. That really showed, that's a testament to how crazy this Na'Vi lineup was. And I think, sadly, the real tragedy of the Na'Vi lineup in-game is, holy fuck, this was the one time ever someone stacked, like, star-level talents, and they could all play at the same time. Like, yeah. it's crazy. We Even even actually the old phase clans of Carrigan, which had the billing of that, even they had sort of took turns, or someone had a few months where they weren't as good and then kicked back in the gear and was able to chill for a while. They, this team was an amazing team and the things they did, it, it says a lot that they could be off their game and still be in the final like this. What a fucking sick lineup of players. I know mad, isn't it? And, and you know, I think you, I think you uh, tweeted out about it, but you know, it's like, you know, alternate timeline, you know, this, that, that team could have made a run. Oh, I'd love to see what they could do. Yeah. yeah. You know, it really love to see it. Yeah. It really could have matched the old 1.6, 2010, like Navi run, you know, it was, it was just. The only consolation is this. They will at least still have the status in my opinion, where if you did that thing, if you, if you took a team at their peak level for one match, they might be the winner for that, mate. They really might. Yeah. I know it's crazy because they don't have the super IG on the brain, but that's the thing about Counter-Strike. If you really can just shoot everyone in the head, you will win. You will yeah. win the game. 
game. He yes. will win the game, totally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, felt felt super sorry for them, uh, you know. Absolutely. And, 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 and listen, I'll, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I agree with you. I think chances are, based on Boomich's performance, his demeanour, you know, you probably shouldn't read too much into that, but whatever. I, I And Simple's tweet immediately afterwards when he said the end, just, you know, almost apropos of nothing in his tweet. I think everybody knew going into this, Boomich was out. I think based on the statement Boomich gave when he apologised for his wife's behaviour, and he said, I should have said something sooner, I'm really sorry, I love playing for this club, it means everything. There's an ominous tone to that, isn't there? That's not sort of like, well, you know, we fixed it now though, guys, so no problems going forward. That almost sounds like I've done fucked up in it, but got to take it on the chin, sorry, bye. And listen, in that sense, and uh, this is like, I don't know, probably... Again, I'll get into it deeper on the when we start talking about the roster mania stuff. But I'll just say, like, I've never been sold on Boom, which is the IGL in this thing. Sure. Uh, you know, he was, like say, you know, groomed for success by Zeus. He was his pick. They wanted him to come in and, you know, do this, like, you know, replacement role where he was going to learn how to become a leader from one of the, you know, greats in, within the organisation. But... You know, it, it, he never got to finish that project and then Boomich was kind of left there. And it's like, what's Boomich going to tell Simple about like how... Uh, have you ever noticed, by the way, or that's the one take we have that's never gotten any backlash from CI's community, including mm-hmm. Navi. They've never... The headline was never, Boomich isn't a real job. I think it might even have been a headline from me on one of those sites. Yeah. I've never had any... I've never had... That's not when the Senyas and the Zeuses come out with the daggers. That's not when Simple tells me I'm an idiot and all that. No one seems to give a fuck. I think, essentially, that's the open secret in that team. I mean, I was saying this when I was doing one of my watch parties. Mate, in, in the game against Heroic, when they're doing, like, Te- um, tactical timeouts because it's like they have to win this gap. They're in the deep shit. They're in the trenches fighting the war. Mate, he's not talking during the tactical timeout. His mouth just. Other people are talking. Blade's talking. Like, same thing. What is the most famous thing Blade does at the beginning of each game? He hands out those little like fucking almost like dossiers. Like here's your shit. Like yeah, yeah. Mate, yeah. what? When is what's Boomich doing? Here's. The, but I'll contrast it like this. You know, one area Carrigan will never get his due, mate. He really was trying to ice skate uphill. He was trying to win that first major with Robin, who, as far as I can tell, does not impose like a system. Mm. He's just in the old school manager type guy, yeah. good guy, glue guy. And then in the modern one, people even forget to give him credit for this, mate. Who's it? Who was their coach? They didn't have one because Robin's banned. So nobody, a guy just stood behind them who's like the analyst or something like, mate, this is mental. Like that's with no coach. Like they have a, their coach clearly has an enormous impact on the team. And unfortunately in this case, I feel it. I know it sounds harsh, but I have to take some of the credit back from him. I've just never seen what he does. I, I've never, I've even tried reading his interviews, mate. I never really get a vibe. Like he even thinks like an IGL. It's why I think it's a very unique team. I think it's well, it'll go down as one of the craziest unique setups of all time of whatever Blade did to that squad. I think, well, I mean, basically I, I feel like, you know, listen, Boomich obviously does something. Of course, um, yes. Uh, uh, but, uh, but I also think perhaps his strength is being almost like, and this, uh, this might generate the CIS headlines, let's see, uh, is that he is the blank slate. He is the conduit. I think Zeus, you know, I think Zeus is a narcissist. Yes. So I think I, I think Zeus would have gone out and picked somebody that was impressionable and would yes I will become just like you and then Zeus could say see I have made my avatar in the game now obviously in, in you know that that's speculation again but I do think that Blade can't be on the server Blade can't communicate all the time you've seen the type of work Blade puts in I think when Blade was getting criticised when this Navi team was failing back when they were bizarrely insisting on playing Flamey and even Blade was saying Flamey will never get back to the top um, in interviews. 
you know, the, the, I think Blade did assess himself and did change things up. In the final, they regressed. There was some old school Navi bullshit at play here uh, where it was 15 seconds on the clock to execute on a bomb site, really telegraphed. And that was how Navi were playing when they were getting spanked by Gambit, you know, back last year. And so I, I think probably what happened is Boomich, I think the pressure cooker, I think you know, what was going on in his personal life. I think Boomich broke down in this game. Sure. And, and that was, and he, and he, really underperformed as a player as well and i think that probably tells you that's what he does he is the he is the guy soaks it all up conveys it to the rest of the team but does it in a way where he's not a big forceful personality because you don't need a big forceful personality in that team in fact the reason navi used to have problems in the past was they had these veterans and these upstarts all with big personalities and they would just tear strips off each other they were essentially a dysfunctional vertus pro one point so you know i i think i think boomich's gift was that he can put boomich in his mind mentally to one side and channel a bit of zeus a bit of blade a bit of whoever he needs to and make sure everyone stays on point with the tactics esports bet is the industry's leading crypto odds matrix they exclude they exclusively work off crypto you deposit crypto you can bet with it you uh, withdraw crypto by the way when you deposit crypto to the site they actually give you 10 percent per year back obviously based on, on a year it'll scale based on how long you have it in there they'll just give you that for having it in the account basically you can bet on all esports games csgo all levels of csgo league of legends valorant rainbow six fifa dota 2 whatever game rocket league whatever game you can imagine they have it so it's not just for your csgo needs thanks to them obviously for sponsoring this particular podcast and if you're watching something like the major or the big tournaments like msi it's on the site right now you can go there you can play for free with the djt or you can deposit your crypto there'll be a link in the bottom down below if you want to deposit your own crypto and you can get a discount on that i think it should be up to 50 percent uh, 50 percent dis- uh, deposit bonus up to 200 dollars. so you can get a cheeky little amount there to play with extra so you can have some fun with it thanks to esports bet let's get on with the rest of the show now that being said um you know i feel that they were they were treated to a master class uh, oh by, they were by, by fears by the way in some ways i'd even say this to navi i actually am so glad they made the final because i tell you what if that was heroic or and fears still wins yeah. it ain't the same story by the way this is why you should always do what i i, I know i'm gonna have a very unique take here for most people I always pull for the best possible opponent to play the team I like. Like, I'll tell you what, mate, even though now it looks stupid because they lost anyway, I wanted Man City to be in that European Cup final to play against Liverpool and to actually beat them because they're the rival. They're the one that's supposed to be as good or better because that's how you make your legacy, mate. You don't want to just win one against anyone. So in this scenario, as much as it sucks for Na'Vi because they had to lose the final, them being there, and especially after spanking ends, made that final so much more special if you are Carrigan, if you are Fears. That's the, that is the final boss of this era of Strike and you got to overcome them, so I'm just grateful we even got that final. Yeah, and and like I said, you know, there was a point on Inferno where I was like, wow, they're gonna they they, they were eight. Oh, way before the end sides. as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was like in sort of two thirds of the way through the game. Navi was gonna win that series, man. They yeah. looked fucking sick, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. In. Like Fizz went eight one up on T side Inferno, and and something just activated in Navi, and when Carrigan made that mistake when you had two players rotating from yep. the far bomb site 
and he decided to peek and try and get the kill. Yep. Right. So it would be a two on one, and he died and made a two on two, and then they had to save. Um, I thought then, wow, he's fucked it again. Like, and, and it and it will be on Carrigan because yeah, that's yeah. going to be the pivotal round on Infernal. But then what happened next round was Carrigan got a three man out of fucking nowhere, like just some god tier rifle play. And what you what you saw in that moment was a resilience to him individually as a character, because listen, he's always been very nonchalant about what happened in Boston, but it must prey on your fucking mind. I mean, you know, you lost on the biggest stage, biggest tournament in the most outrageous circumstances with a team that everyone said, this major is going to be too easy. Yes. For them. It's a gift. Yep. It, it's the glittering all-star phase lineup. So, you know, that would keep me up at night. Um, and then when he made that mistake, I was like, here we fucking go again. And no, he actually held his nerve. That that Inferno was an unbelievable map of Counter-Strike. For them to uh, take 1916 in the end and hold their nerve in overtime, just an incredible story. And it is mental how that is just the God CS map, isn't it? Like, I know it's been overstated, but it just keeps proving true. Something about that map is just fucking unique. Like, I saw someone even made a joke. I can't remember who it was. It was some pro player, but I almost thought, you know, even though it's a stupid idea, you're almost right. The major final should just basically be a best of three of Inferno or something. Like, it almost feels like that. It just gives you the best maps ever, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, listen, I'll add in this current meta, and you know my thoughts on this. I feel it's a little bit boring at the moment, a little bit stale, this kind of save meta, silence them sure. being overpowered, etc, etc but I mean at the end of the day when you put good teams on that map, magic happens so, you know, it, even even in a meta like this, the the real the real one that, that I where I got a question Navi a little bit uh, was their nuke pick, I think if you pick Ancient there we get a third map for sure and then, you know, what would it have been? It probably would have been like, I don't know, maybe uh, uh, an overpass or a mirage. Or, no, it can't have been mirage because they took that out, but whatever. It, you know, we would have had a very different, you know, best of, best of three. Maybe Nuke does get left in there and who knows what happens after Na'Vi take Ancient. I thought like then Nuke has, you know, I thought they must have a secret setup or something on it, but now nah, they, they looked a little bit lost. That said, the, the story about Nuke is just reigns like mega performance like i mean that that's as good as a play that's some movie like, shit there i don't yeah. think people get it like look the carrigan bigger story is a movie but like the way he played on that map to close the mage route as well is like that is your like wet that's the wet dream shit of like when you're in the backyard like three two he takes the last shot we did it the whole game he actually low-key just controlled the best team in the world aside from his just continuously the whole foot like for both halves it was mental mate that's it like i say you go you, you watch that demo to like learn how to play outside on nuke it's mental yeah, yeah, no, I mean, seriously, absolutely insane individual performance. And, of course, remember, this is the player that supposedly needed to go if Faze were ever going to win a big one or win a big trophy, you know, and it's like, I I'm still so disgusted at that JKS bullshit. Like, I, I like, honestly, that, I, I know we, I know, I know it shouldn't bother me. It bothers me. It really bothers me how fucking stupid everyone was. Supposed Faze fans as well. Like I say, you don't love Faze if you want rain cut. Like here's the here's the mad thing in in a in an in a world where so much Counter Strike royalty gets away with so much bullshit and bad players, you know, are allowed to just uh, you know languish and oh yeah it's you know but what here's what I did four years ago oh of course yeah you, you know fans constantly give them a pass Rain never got that 
Reigns played something like 1,500 maps for this organization in a variety of roles, in a variety of lineups. He's never complained, never whined. He's always been gracious in interviews about how lucky he is to be there and how he plays well. And yet JKS comes in, you know, like, like the hot side chick, and you're like, suddenly you want to get divorced. Like, you're fucking out of your minds, guys. Everyone who called for JKS to join this team and for Rain to be dropped. And I know you tweeted it, and we're going to get to that. Sure. Yeah, here's the difference, though, mate. As yeah. usual, the facts bear me out, as know, they always will. Because yeah. if you go and look, notice I'm the only... This is how you know there aren't real journalists in this scene, except me and you, mate. How am I the only one who noticed the timestamp? Yeah. The bloody time's written right on it. It was during map one of the final, when they were just doing all miracle shit. I know. It's called a fucking hot take, isn't it? Yeah. By the way, if after the event you said to me, so would you do the trade right now? I would go, well, you've got to give at least Rain one chance. He was out for COVID. You know? yeah. I would give him Pro League. Spoiler, when he wins Pro League, no problem. Yeah. Like, he didn't hear me say before this major, because they're not going to win this major. I haven't got JK. No, that was a fucking hot take, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's like, and not only that, though, you fucking explicitly said on the subsequent podcasts that know obviously you keep reading you know so it's like whatever but anyway the the, the point is because i saw a reddit thread that basically see i work in a little bit of petty grievances for the fans but i saw a reddit thread where it was like three months ago sorry said that range should be cut because you got the mvp you all did you can't all. you all said it. it you all said it you all said it yeah, they did. you you even upvoted threads demanding face seller commemorative jks jersey because he was so Amazing, and you have you like, oh my god, like you people are so fucking fickle. It's absolutely outrageous. But yeah, I don't. I've never understood it why Rain isn't treated like CS royalty. Yes, in the online era, he did have some bad performances. Yes, if we rewind at a time when Carrigan's going, we're not even going to try in the online era. Yes, I need a year to build a team or whatever it is. If you go back to that time. Yes, then maybe you could make an argument about Reigns underperforming or whatever, although just to mercilessly cut him after everything he's done to the club still would leave a fucking nasty taste in any... By the way, another reason I also wouldn't actually have cut him after that event, even if possible, he only missed the final because of COVID. COVID. You know what I mean? Just on the face of it, you've got to at least let him get better. I know. He's he's got to have at least one more chance just while it's normal. All of it mental. And, And then, so... Trust me, the fact that he just he just fucking got his dick out and helicoptered in this. Oh, it's mental, I know. Oh, mate, I fucking was, I was loving it. Loving it because that's the ultimate fuck you to all of those idiots. The ultimate fuck you. Not only did my team win, I won it for my team against the best team in the world, potentially, right? On the biggest stage, I'm the oldest MVP at a major. What now? Where's your JKS God now, you fucking cretins? Gone. Nowhere. He doesn't count. He doesn't matter. He could never do... On JKS's oh, no. uh, best day, he could never do what Rain did in, did in his final. That's a stone-cold fact. He's never done anything no, akin no. to that at any stage in his career, even when he was getting into the HLTV top 20s. No, that this was God's is a God-tier yes. performance. Absolutely. Is, only a handful of players could do that. So it's absolutely outrageous. But yeah, happy for Faze. Let's talk a little bit about Carrigan. Gets his major at 32. Um... Gives a great speech. Uh, by the way, they've been releasing the comms uh, from from that run, and I would urge anyone if you want to hear what a good IGL sounds like, go and listen to them. It's calm, it's clear, as 
jokes, there's humor, despite them being under immense pressure. This is why Carrigan is always going to be in this court conversation now for me. Sure. I mean, like I say, even that angle is never even given the credit. Like, not only did he do it with a unique lineup, no one's ever done it with the international roster. Did it without a coach, mm. by the way, playing against arguably the best coach in the game right now. Most people give blame that status against the reigning major champions and the goats. Like, fucking hell, how much more do you want to stack the deck? By the way, even when people say that, yeah, but Shimbo didn't play that well. Guess what? That's normal. Simple's actually an alien in the sense that, except for this one scenario, you know, he does always just play super well. Everyone else gets championships against people not playing that well. By the way, when did that ever get used against Australis when they won a couple of majors against Simple? Never. OSK when they won one against... Never. It'll never be used as an excuse for anyone else. That's how haterism reveal itself. You only use it for the one player, not for everyone else. So I think this was an incredible run. And like I said on, on the other shows what we talked about, the craziest thing about it to me was this. Because you're the IGL, half the time what you do is invisible. Like, no one really knows, was that a great mid-round call? Or did your player just run out and shoot two people in the head? It's, it's always the eternal dilemma if you don't have the comms, right? But first of all, not only is this so perfect he won with all these comm videos he's been releasing for the last three months because you see him make the calls do the players make space for people they get the kill following up but even better like he was making fucking actual round winning players in this tournament like as much as people remember some of the players in that final tell you the one that no one ever remembers you remember that mad 4k he got from the fucking library oh, where he just yeah. never peeked out and he kept that yeah. angle and he was even killing fucking simple with the orp like mate these are monster kills like that's the sort of shit where if you put the different nameplate on that's like the old clip remember when HLTV argues to always put like the multi-kill on the fucking front page that would be like the Carrigan versus Narvi clip would be the top of the fucking page you'd have a million likes that'd be like a highlight play like I thought the way he played in general in this tournament what I loved Carrigan about it was drops and twists oh no he did in this final yeah what I found so gangster about the way they won this tournament is is he did both he did the IGLing and then actually he did a decent job fragging, which by the way, he is 32 years old and he was never a sick fragger in CSGO anyway. <laughs> That's how you know the guy really was just like, fuck it, going out on my shield. I either lose another major final or I just take this major. Because there's another thing, with the way Navi eventually played on Inferno, it wasn't gifted to you. They didn't just break after you were up early in front run against them. They made you work for that and they fucking worked for it at once. So I think it's, it's just one of the most satisfying major wins I've ever seen. So the question, and then we'll do a, a review of the major overall, what we thought about it is a spectacle. Uh, but the question now about Fizz is, um, are we poised to enter, the, it's the dreaded E word, Duncan, are we poised to enter into a Fizz era? Uh, you know, they've obviously uh, got, you know, they won Pro League, they won Katowice, uh, uh, you know, won the major. Coming up, they've got this scuffed IEM Dallas event, which, by the way, doesn't even count if you it shouldn't it. that shouldn't even be yeah. on the grand slam thing at this point in time but it, it but, probably will be <laughs> but then two weeks after that blast premiere uh and then obviously in july i am cologne yes now where do we need to get to in terms of tournaments accrued before we start saying phase our hands down the number one team we are in a phase era everyone's gonna have to work incredibly hard to beat them the key thing for me is if they just keep stacking the events. Because like you say, if you could win, look, the Dallas one's a bit scoff. Like that one, I do think. That's one of the reasons why if people don't know. I had to be harsh with the Team Liquid era and I couldn't make it an era because some of the events, especially some of the earlier ones, were the ones where not everyone attended. So they count for you, but they don't always, every event isn't an equal, each trophy is not of equal value, obviously. I think essentially if you face 
The good news is this, the way is open for you. You look at your other rivals, a lot of them either aren't winning or Narvi's about to have to change lineup. So mm. it's right there for you, but I do think you have to stack these trophies. You probably have to win most, nearly all these trophies, I'd imagine, because the next major is so far away. You have to do it in between the majors if you're going to make this an error. So if you don't win, another rule I made a few years, but I think it's a relevant rule. It could have worked for Narvi here, is you've got to at least be like, essentially, you've got to be the, a key storyline even when you lose. Like if they beat you in the final, it could still be your ear if you win the next tournament. Like you were still the defining factor of that tournament. Someone beating you was the key story and not that they won the tournament. So I think if they run the table this summer, I think it's doable. The reason their era for me would be very unique as well is because they don't blow people out in these big games. They're not the team that shit stomps you. They don't have a map where they can never lose and win 16-5. They're not like any of the great teams in history. What I love about this team is they really do seem to live and die off Carrigan's calling because they win so many close games. They win by the small margins. They win by the players' getting just enough out of it. So if they do, it'll be the most exciting era ever. Because I think this team, I would favour them to beat almost anyone in a best of three, but I never know how they're going to do it. They always put, take it to the bloody wire. and they are, they are an amazing team to watch. That's why I get more of a vibe like the Fnatic 2015 team. That's what I keep comparing them to because they also were the team where like at the end, they had all the year and everyone gave them the credit and they were the best. But man, they could, they could fucking, it could be hard work for them to win tournaments and did they have to do comebacks and play against top teams? So I think it's on the table. It's just not an obvious era yeah and look i i think uh in terms of what carrigan uh got um i think finally he's got like the the five the four players around him he wants you know i feel there was always going to be a problem back in the superstar era it was always going to come up it it was it was always going to happen with the tsm era as well back then you know those those danish players wanted to win they liked glaive you know they they'd had a few disappointments they were big personalities very forceful in what they wanted it got to a stage where they weren't even going along with carrigan's veto so they cut him and replaced him and it was no different either with phase phase had to make a choice the choice was nico uh or carrigan and obviously they went with that but i think that was again it was always liable i'll t- I'll, I'll tell you this by the way, how, how fucking, even though Carrigan, sadly, here's the bad news, guys. He actually is a really cool guy. So I don't yeah. think he actually holds any ill will to Nico at all. But it's sure. he's a bigger man than I am. Because if I had that microphone and I've just won that major and you ain't won shit with me in the meantime, and even better, you were oh. in phase for most of that time. I'm at, I'm at least yeah. saying summer. I'm at least mm. saying summer, Anna. I'm dropping some little line or something yeah. in that line. Come no, on. but like, well, what's actually crazy is as well, I think I've seen Carrigan sort of like pray, like pray praise Nico and say positive things about him and stuff. And it's like, considering, you know, I'll tell you what, there was one take we had, I think it was on this show. um, And you might have subsequently tweeted it out as as well, as is your way, uh, where you said, you know, uh, this year, Carrigan's phase will be more successful than... It was last year, yeah, for 2021, I said that. And I I think it wasn't true that year. But it's now unquestionably true. I was a year off, sadly. Yes, but I mean, as a take, it's actually aged pretty well because if you go to the totality of when you yes. make the tweet to where we are now, then it's unquestionable. What people didn't get was the point of that is this is essentially something I've changed my perspective on in Counter Strike. I'm not like the plebs, I used to be a pleb as well, I used to follow the best players. If I have a choice between these two, you can either start your team with the best player in the world or the best IGL in the world. Best IGL in the world is a way better team to start. That can, As you can see, when you have Carrigan, you don't even need to have the top five players in the world. You could just have like the 10th, the 12th, and the 13th, and that's enough. If you have the best player in the world, 
suddenly there's a lot of IGLs won't get it done, mate. Like, yeah. that's the problem. He had Nexa, and he was not going to be getting a Carrigan-type glaive type person. So where's he going to get his person in the next few years? Obviously, in that one, it turns out he got... Nico did actually play a superstar counter-strike, and he carried them through that phase. But, yeah, I mean, you can see why I made the point now that, like, yeah. essentially it was a, a point about team building. Like, I, 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 I just felt like Carrigan gets to a major before Nico does. Sadly, still applies now. Well, it, it must have been it must have been especially rough for Nico, and you have to wonder, oh, of course, because like, listen, I think he's done a lot of maturing, and uh, I think maybe some of the speculation now, when you say, "Oh, Nico's going to be," you know, wanting to cut Alexi and what make himself IGL, it's probably you know not true now. It probably was true back in you know Nico Sports. Sure, it was true back in phase when Carrigan got ousted, but I don't think it's true now. But I will say, if it was ever going to come back. If 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 that devil on his shoulder was ever gonna you know sure. puff out from <clears throat> from hell and start talking to him again, it's gonna be now watching your old you know IGL raise a trophy you desperately want, and by the way, it will define your whole career if you don't win one for sure. Uh, That's why I give the analogy. They are like the Shaq and Kobe. Like now, it's all gonna be about now. Guess what, Nico? Now it's like. You, he can't win. You can't win without Carrigan, or did you need Carrigan, or should you stay with him? So now the problem is, first of all, it should fire you up anyway. But now you've got to go get your major to get that shit off your back and get it back to an interesting yeah. combo. And now you can have your points because I, I, I agree with your premise. Here's the point now: it is not that I think Nico is an ego maniac who is demanding the team do this. He's forcing Carlos like I won't get played, or will me and Hunter will leave if you don't do that? It's not that. Here's the problem. I actually think in terms of how he behaves in the team, he seems to have fixed it. He seems to be mature. My problem is just this. I think me and him fundamentally have a different perspective on the game Counter-Strike and how you build teams. And I just believe when he is asked for his opinion, which as a star player, he should be asked for, in my opinion, you at least crowdsource from your stars because they're the people you're going to build around. I just think he has different opinions than me. And unfortunately, they will lead to, I think, some of the same problems. It's just, it's not that it's like the attitude's gone, but essentially my disagreement remains, I think. Mm. And we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, so just to wrap up the phase talk, as I said, I feel this is a lineup that uh, just a blend of personalities on the team. It's tailor made for Carrigan. I think this is like if you were to ask him now, and I haven't had t- uh, time to talk to Finn since the major, um, but I think if you were to ask him, like in terms of personalities, this is the best lineup you've ever had. I think it's absolutely yes. Um, you know, Twists has done what he had to do. Uh, leaving NA, kind of been easy. He could have been like every other North American player of all time. You know, he's got the looks, he's got the skills. He could have stayed at Team Liquid, even if he'd been dropped from the team and been a streamer and made millions, could have gone to Valorant, made millions. Didn't, like, made a very difficult decision to kind of break away from that. Gets a major, loving it, loving it. Didn't you find that so silly as well, that that was when those fucking Valorant players just jumped on him? It's like, bro, of all the people you can't clap back at if you're a Valorant player, it's twists. He has put everything on the line, and he's even won the ultimate reward for doing it. So, like, listen, I get that you're right, there are problems, but maybe maybe take a page out of his book. He's he's showing you the way, boys. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, so that's one there. Brokey as well. Remember, Brokey brought in by someone who isn't even in the team anymore, who was his biggest advocate. He's evolved into, you know, one of the best Orpers in the world. Wasn't even an Orper when he started in the team. Um, Just a good, hardworking guy. Uh, Obviously, Rain, we've talked about, you know, and then you get you complete the Voltron finally uh, by bringing in Rops. and, And Rops is a guy who, like, you know, he he wasted so much of his prime talent in a mouse sports team, was unbelievably loyal to those guys. But when he did put his foot down and say, come on, 
like enough's enough you know like i've got to go get mine at some point and if it's not going to be here it's going to have to be somewhere else uh he finally finds himself in a team where he he now can rightly say i am one of the i am one of the greats i am one of the great players like you know i'm I've, i'm winning these trophies now i'm winning majors now so i think everyone's going to be super on board with like Carrigan's system he's given him a taste of success that many of these guys have never had and i think that's going to board well for the future of the team and the cohesion within the team if you know, it, all, all other things, if G2 aren't going to get their shit together, if Italy aren't going to get their shit together, if now V don't make the right replacement, this phase team will dominate for a long time. It, it I even think, in line with what you're saying, the other reason why I just feel like, look, it's not inevitable they get the era, but while I feel like they've got a good chance in it, it's because I also get the vibe from this team. Dude, they haven't had to, but they could handle a loss. If they lost one of these close games, I feel like they're one of the few teams could take it on the chin, come back without it affecting you mentally, without people having arguments, without anyone feeling, oh, I didn't get my position. So I feel like they're one of the only ones that can fucking take one like that and come back in the next match. And thus far, they haven't even been required to, really. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the, the majors of spectacle and then we'll end the episode. So obviously, um, one of the, I was streaming, but I'm, I, I always make a point of watching the VODs. Yeah, I yeah. want to say you did a good job. Um, and you know, see where we can improve and see what everything was like. Um, so look, I'll I'll just open slate. What we'll we'll, we'll end on the positives. Come on, then. Well, go on. Yeah, you tell me what what pissed you off about. This oh page. lords! Like, I, like this is another example of how Counter Strike the game is the panacea that cures all ills because the bloody tournament wasn't brilliant but people at the end just thought it was why did they think it was brilliant because Imperial did a miracle run because Spirit proved more than you ever thought it's possible because Na'Vi came back online and because Phase 1 and Carrigan won the end you know none of those have anything to do with PGL not a single fucking one has anything to do with PGL and anything they did they did nothing about that everyone in the server did those and the other tournaments in the circuit built up that storyline so let's start with this right let's start with the beloved talent which everyone loves to praise to the heavens I'll just say it right now it's my special I have earned the right to have this opinion. I consider myself an authority above anyone listening to me right now. I have worked many, many, many desks. I have worked more desks at majors than anyone else in the history of this game. The desk was all right. It was a bit stilted. I thought the floor wasn't very good. I thought some of the lineups just didn't make sense for the scope of some of the matches. I would have used very different lineups in some of the semis and the quarters. And I generally thought like the desk was all right. I thought certain people did a very good job, but I thought it didn't actually have like the same sort of flow and vibe that I would want the major desk to have. And one reason why I have to obviously go to it is they chose not to hire probably the, the, another, maybe the second best analyst in the world. If I give Maniac the top spot, Nick Yanko's number two. It's 1A, 1B for me anyway. I think that was a massive oversight. I don't know why they put Devil Walker in that position where they hired him last minute and essentially he's a rookie earning a strike spot on the major. I don't get what you're even doing at that point in time. You are set up to fail there. Even if Devil Walker does a 10 out of 10 job for Devil Walk, it ain't going to be out of 10 out of 10 Yanko because he can't. Essentially, you have to believe experience means nothing. Reps mean nothing. Technique is nothing. I've seen Yanko when he began. Yanko Yanko wasn't who he is now. It took him years to get to the point. So I thought that was a silly mistake already. And then finally, on the actual major itself, where was the shoulder content? Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Nonsense. There was no shoulder content for another major. 
Then, and by the way, the worst thing about that, I'll just say it right now, since they have no problem throwing me under the bus with a show match, mate. I asked Silvio, the man himself who runs PGL before Stockholm, I told him, you know, you need to get loads of shoulder content and documentaries and things done. And he was like, yes, yes, we will have it all. None for two majors in a row. And the worst part about that, and also, by the way, even with some, like, first of all, I thought there were tech problems throughout the playoffs, even to the last day I was hearing those clicks on people's mics. I hate that sound, by the way, someone who's worked desks. Yeah. As soon as I hear that, like, clipping sound when you're talking on your mic, which means the sound guy can't even do the most basic aspect of his job, I get triggered already because those are what then later come and have static come in here. You get one of those blow-up sounds that you don't see on the, on the stream, but we hear in our ear and just deafens us. Like, I hate all that shit because it's such amateur hour. And I'll tell you what, here's what you don't want to hear if you're PGM. I don't get that if I go and work an ESL Cologne event. I don't get that if I'm on blast on one of their desks. I get a top quality professional setup where they will have all those things ironed out. And if they don't, Richard, I know that they're going to get to it. I don't even have to go and tell them. The amount of times me and you at that last major personally went and told them, you do know there is a problem now on your stream. We can't, and they would be going, this is how I knew they were incompetent. They wouldn't just go, we'll send a guy and he'll test it. They would be going, so wait, so what's happening? You're hearing, I don't need to explain this dickhead. You put the headset on, play your little sound and you figure it out. You're the audio guy. I'm a fucking guy who's supposed to be there to go. Cadian shouldn't celebrate like that. I think Nico's not that good. Like my job ain't to be an audio tech fucking guy, is it? I'm not there to error test this whole fucking system. But, I, but sometimes when people like me and you're at the event, we almost care about the event more than bloody they do. Well, not really, but it feels like that. And I got the vibe again, because I was watching the social medias and the people who work the event. Some of these are my friends. Mate, I was already getting the vibe. The producer was overloaded again. He was going through fucking his second tour of Vietnam and, and they were just surviving off what they could. I could tell from that vibe, from some of the comments and the way he was getting shout outs from certain talent, like that guy was getting a fucking, the beating from life again. And the real thing I hate about all this is one, PGL, almost go out of their way to flex that they have money. So they're choosing not to spend it. And then two, because the major again has done monster numbers and was loved for the storylines. You notice we've got the two best possible storylines from these two majors, the storylines we all wanted because of that, it will all be forgotten. And the fact that at the moment, no one else except the SL wants a bloody major means that I don't think we even improve the situation. So what worries me is I don't even feel like PGL is incentivized to even listen to anything I just said. Yeah. I mean, listen, um, so when I was, I did a review on stream, um, having watched all of odds. And so similar thoughts on two of the topics. Um, I thought the desk, uh, first of all, they fucked up when they only hired three people. I don't even know how you do that. Um, because four is just such an obvious number. Yep. Um, to, to have for analysts gives you two and two means you can mix it up. People get time off series off two two series a day in the playoffs. Like, Theoretically, I would have been hired, but that makes you ask the question: Would that have also still just been the same number of people, or was I going to be the fourth? Who the fuck knows at this point in time? But yeah, yeah, yeah well, that um, yeah, that's a weird one. It might have been that you know you turned it down, created this like cascading event. I don't know. But the bottom, the bottom line is, oh, I uh, forgot one other thing as well. One oh, last yeah. thing to say as well, because I must say this for the sake of by the numbers. Show match was fucking garbage again. Is this a joke? Are you trying to piss me off? It was- <laughs> 
Because it's mental. I'm trying to try to act to piss me off here. Because the worst thing is, people know this now. I would make the most straight fucking fire box office show match you've ever seen. Yeah, oh, I know. Well, we, we did it. We did a show match on the No Majors Club, uh, which you can go watch the VOD of. And we took a mod where it was like every round it would like be like low gravity or you would get a book okay. from Danger Zone. We had uh, Goose Breeder from CLG Red take on Steak or they drafted the talent, did a draft with it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a really, really, we got a double overtime, I think. It was a fucking, it was a re, on Nuke when obviously people are flying across the map, gunning down each other. Stunner was there, like Henry G played he rolled back the years he was taking it super serious dust moret team killed steco in a must win round oh i mean it was okay it, it had it all it had it all and it's like you know like, like it was sort of cobbled together in a couple of days and you know and that was better than theirs mate they still play yeah. theirs like real matches it's so I know. stupid isn't well, it? I know. Like players don't get it no like, they don't like, at all no one's gonna judge they one don't. what you do yeah. in a show match you know but that, but that's why you have to get the right player and, and not all players, you know? And because also as well, by the way, like if you want to do a super serious one, which, it, spoiler, in sports, no exhibition match like of no. this type is super serious. No. But then you have to stipulate in your contract, if you attend the major and you are deemed to be one of the best players at the major and you are not playing at the final, you may be called upon to play in the show match and it is mandatory. And then... You can have a Nico playing in a show match and you can have all of these. And, and you, you want to play serious then when it's like 10 of the best players in the world? Fine, I've had it. It might make for an interesting game. Um, but yeah, I agree. Show matches are really... like People don't people don't execute the concept correctly around show matches in, in esports. I, uh, put it this way, I never thought I would say this. The ones that ESL were doing where it was like Henry G versus... Yeah, the cashes. Yeah, yeah they, they at least had a theme. Yeah, there was a yeah. logic to that. Yeah. yeah, you know, and celebrities turning yeah, yeah. to talk shit and pies yeah. in the face. I thought that was all whack at the time, but compared to this, it's, oh, no, it's fucking night and day, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So so anyway, my, I went and watched all of us. My, my thoughts are very similar to yours on the desk. Um, Yanko should have been there. It's criminal he wasn't. Uh, I think you put Maniac with Yanko. They, they're not only great at what they do, they're not only number one and two, but they are also fantastic complement to each Absolutely. other. Absolutely. Uh, Maniac makes up with his you know high emotions and expressiveness really makes up for Yanko stoic in his demeanor you know it's like it's just it's just a no brainer you want them to do in the final uh, I thought Devil Walk, you know, yes, okay, you brought in a tenured pro. I love Devil Walk, by the way, as a, as a person known him a long, long time. When I was setting up the player union uh, before the CSPPA existed, he was the first guy I went to. <coughs> thought he would have been a fantastic advocate for players. Um, and, and anyway, that being said, definitely not ready for the major. He knows it. He was a bit nervous on the first few days as well. And like when it was him and Pimp, it's like, mate, like, I'm. I'm I can't. They're not doing anyone a favor there either yeah. in terms of the fans. No, exactly. Like, again, I'll, I'll, like, listen, I disagree with some of the fans' opinions about Pimp. But as a TO, you've got to understand what you're doing when you put those people in those scenarios. Well, it was shocks I felt sorry for as well because she was constantly trying to coax something yes. out of them. And you've got a guy who's like nervous and inexperienced, and you've got another guy. You were never going to get the fun vibe she was going for. Yeah, tell, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, so those death segments were pain. Yeah. Uh, but they were they were few and far between. 
obviously, you know, you put Maniac with anyone, he brings out the best in, in all of the people. But, you know, if you just had Yanko there or, you know, hell, if you want to get an ex-pro, there's a number of people who would have done it that like big personalities and stuff sure. like that. You know, you can go and do it. And remember, think outside the box. Like, think about who's entertaining. Everyone said I was mental when we brought Mo on the E-League. I think that was a joke. No, he's obviously box office. Yeah, of course. That, and that's what I mean. It's like, don't, it's like people don't get what box office is. Like that X factor that makes people entertaining. Like they don't even have to know what they're talking about if they no, can no. express it in a way that makes you want to engage with it. So, you know, crazy stuff. But anyway, overall, I thought the desk probably in terms of the broadcast was the weakest part of all oh, that's fair. interconnected talents. But I thought Shocks did a fantastic job. I hope she sticks around in CS. I thought Freya was underused. I wanted to see more yep. of Freya Agreed. on um, But when, when she was on, she did brilliant. And obviously a very different vibe to Shocks. Um, more of a, almost like, I don't use the word professional because that's not what I mean, but like it felt more like you're watching a current events program. Yeah, yeah. Topical, really polished. You know, she's yes. come on leaps and bounds as well. Um, the shoulder content, garbage. Uh, I didn't even talk about this in my review, so I'm gl- glad you brought it up. Why is the shoulder content for the major banks walking around Antwerp eating chips? I know. Like, what is that? The joke is, even for the shoulder content, we're in 2015 now. You remember when they'd have like parlor drinking wine with shocks or yeah. something like well, out, of, out of like a fucking Dixie cup? Like, what is it? Yeah, How's well, this content? Like, what? Well, but like, but what, <laughs> what, what you what you forget about that is, well, you probably do remember it, but like what people forget about it is that concept was sold to us saying, oh, we're going to have some wicked shoulder content for the major. I think it was Collusion of Poker, that one. And they said, yeah, wine tasting with shocks. And I'm like, holy shit, like you're going to go to a wine tasting and have him assess all the wines and give his thoughts. And you're going to play it up for laughs and all that. That's a banger concept. Sure. Come up with that concept. That's Because re- it actually is a reflection of Shox's personality. He loves wine. He loves all that Gallic tradition. It's, 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 it's core to his personality. Brilliant concept. In execution, Shock's drinking a bottle of wine, sat on a fountain like he's a wine author. <laughs> Absolutely like a homeless guy, yeah. Like, is it is this real? Like, is like you can't be serious. Like that, that is not the concept. So here, here, here's something for everyone in esports: if your concept's good and you can't execute it, don't make a dog shit two out of ten version of it. Shelve the concept yep. for a time when you can, because otherwise you can't go back and revisit that now. You know, I mean, it's been long enough that you probably could, and people would think it was straight fire. And shocks may as well be a professional wine taster now. He's barely a Counter Strike player, so you know, whatever. But anyway, I've seen it time and time again. And as I said, as your opening shoulder content for the major, hi, I'm James Banks. Did you know in Antwerp, they love fries, French fries. And actually, uh, they're called French fries, despite originating in Belgium, uh, because I guess some guy got lost or something. Anyway, I'm going to this place to eat chips. And I was like, right, this this is a bit, right? This is a fucking joke. Here's the reality. The one fact Banks brought to the table is a myth. <laughs> so not even not even true. Uh, the term French fries goes way back. So I'm like, what is happening? Why is it just Banks? Eating? Why is it always Banks eating food? Why is that all the shoulder content BGL do? Why is it just Banks eating food? It's mental. Like that. That cannot be how we chronicle. Do you remember when we used to have like this is a profile of Neo? This is yes. 
<laughs> it's Banks eating chips, guys. It's Banks eating chips. I can't tell you how much of a come down that is. It's Banks eating chips. I'll even tell you a reason why I think it's particularly egregious this event was so poor in that regard. Because since you had Freya as one of your hosts, for people who don't know, when we when at Flashpoint, we for Flashpoint 2 did a bunch of sort of like, I wouldn't say documentaries, they were more like profile story yeah. pieces about like a team. Or, she did all of those yeah. entirely off her own accord. I didn't tell her to do them. She just came to me and said, I have some ideas for these things and essentially can i go away and do it did it like send me it just to review it like do you think there's anything wrong with it like you know i'd maybe found it one historical date like that was 2016 or 2015 aside from that she did the whole thing herself then she just recorded it and they were like look they were like the most crazy edited things but they had all the game footage yeah. and stuff in like this is someone by the way who if you understood their skill set they could do that they could actually take those skills that she could have sort of built up a story about the phase. Will they win this major? It's all or nothing for Carrigan and Mean. You could have the story with Navi. You could have the story. You could pick a fucking half a dozen out. She Duncan, story. Does she like chips? Because here's the silly thing people won't get. Unlike actually someone like Shocks, who is someone who might like Counter-Strike, but comes from a different game and is choosing for industry reasons. And in this case, because it's in a home country to come and work in our game. Freya is an actual CSGO fan who became a professional and now is good as a professional. Th those people, they're worth their weight in gold. Like you don't have to tell her to do some research for this thing. Also. She, first of all, she knows the storylines. She's followed it as a fan. She's a total legitimate fan. Like if people don't know, she was a fan from something mental like 2015 or something mad. When she was just, I mean, she, she, she was probably a bloody teenager at the time, who knows? So if you have someone like that, why are you not using that? Why is that untapped potential? Why don't you have that person with a bloody camera crew? See, in this case as well, like I say, she wasn't even going to be on the desk all the time. They could even be creating mini, mini pieces that go through the event that sort of follow the story. There's oh. so much you can do with these people. We have so much talent in this game, but we're not oh. using it. Yeah, and and like I say, and, the, and you know, the, the real reason that happens, yeah, it's because you're putting out fires the whole time at your event. Of course, yep. If you people don't know, as far as I can tell, I wasn't at this one, but every other PGL event I went to is like, you think on day two, is this event even going to finish? And when they finish, it's sort of like, like a fucking gift, like it's mental, mate. They're never, they're never going to get a 10 out of 10 performance. As you say, they're just keeping the fucking boat from sinking. That's yeah, what they're doing half totally. the time. But here's what I will say, uh, some positives now, and I'll get your positives as well. Um, I thought, you know, there was a lot of speculation about how the casters were going to cope. There was four debutantes at a major, um, you know, for some, first time with a big crowd. And, um, you know, I, I think there was some 10 out of 10 casting here at this event. I thought Harry and Hugo, that spirit phase game, like I said, that was the game for me. That cast was exceptional. Um, I think uh, Lawrence and Scrawny continue to prove that actually, like, they're the hipsters pick, you know? Um, I know obviously Machine and Sponge, obviously they're like, uh, the way I was comparing it in my review is they're like almost like a luxurious, like, smorgasbord because what Alex is super good at, obviously alongside the casting, because he's been a host and, you know, stage host, desk host, he's done it all. He understands the sense of timing. So when you want him in a final, because when the game is over and people get up, he's still going. He's still setting it up for the trophy lift and everything yes. else. And so, you know, you don't have to come back to the desk. No, he has the gravitas, yeah. And have, and have me narrate it, which we yes. used to do at events, if people remember. Um, and it was a bit jarring because the casters would have to sign off while there was still stuff happening on screen. And then I'd yep. have to come in and narrate that stuff. It's way better this way. And so Alex is a master at that. And then obviously Sponge, 
when he talks about what's happening in a game, especially disappointment or mistakes, because we all know how his career was and how he came from a region that was like, you know, he was a plumber and he came from a region that didn't have a lot of opportunities and didn't have a lot of like material success in, in the game. Um, you know, when he's talking about that stuff, like it's, it's, it's his lived experience. There's like a credibility and an authenticity there. And so for the big moments, the highs, the lows, I think Sponge is perfect. Like he knows what he's talking about too. Obviously with the game was, was, was a, was an IGL who always punched above his weight and never got the respect he deserved. So unfortunately for the other casters, you know, probably you're not going to get a final if that's an option. Although, Listen, Sponge and Alex are such you know good people. They'll you know they'll probably be like, look, we don't have to do all the finals, you know, because like that. You, there's all a TO is going to want you there, but sometimes you're going to say, look, let the other guys have a final. We'll do a semi final. We'll sit in the bleachers, watch the game for a change. Once you get a few finals under your belt, they matter less anyway. So, you know, I, I thought the casting was like knockout. Vince had a fantastic performance as well in the quarterfinal. He did. Uh, he left it all hanging out there. Really, really did. You know. Doesn't know if he'll get to do another major, but that one certainly makes up for him being criminally overlooked in his career. That is a fantastic cast. And so I was super happy with all of the casting at the event. Uh, obviously, as I said, I thought Shocks did a great job. I think from a broadcast perspective, yeah, there was all those tech problems. I mean, it's BGL. They're, just, they're obviously content to operate at a level where it, it comes baked in. You know, it comes baked into the event. I had to laugh, by the way, watching the Champions League final. It was like watching a fucking esports event at time. The beginning shit was stupid yeah. as fuck, wasn't it? Yeah. But they weren't yeah. even telling you what was happening. Yeah. I know was and that, no, but at one point, the guy who was interviewing <coughs> Stevie G was going, and uh, sorry, I can't hear you, Stephen. I've got the singer in my ear. I think we're on the same frequency. I'm like, bro. By the way, also watching Rio Ferdinand. Steve Gerard and Michael Owen not be able to fail for the 30 minutes. Oh, it's hilarious. They'll like, never know what we can do. Yeah, I, know I know exactly. That's like esports really is fucking mega. Like, you know it what is. I mean? We yep. would put together, we'd have a graphic designer quickly knock some graphics up. Me and Duncan would do a fucking one hour long podcast. Or no, these guys are bottling it, man. Yeah. So anyway, whatever. But the, but the, the, you know, PGL are obviously content to operate on a level. They're, you know, they're never going to be a blast. Um, then that, you know, they're not even an ESL, right? So whatever fine but i thought they made improvements it was certainly better they certainly fixed problems when they happened faster um and and so overall for me where where i place this major you know in the in the great pantheon of majors it's never gonna overtake a uh you know a, a boston or a columbus or a collusion of poker or you know a cologne it's never, it's not going to get close to that. It's certainly better than Krakow, better than the first one yes. in that winter, better than the last one they did, better than, I mean, face it, London, the worst of all time. So, you know, look, they did a middle of the pack major. This was, you know, uh, like, like you say, a major for me that was held upright by incredible performances by the talent pool, mostly, and uh, fantastic storylines that actually delivered in real time. That's my take on it. I don't know where you'd place it. I, uh, I mean, I would probably be similar. They'd be in the middle of the pack. And the problem for me is, like, there are loads of positives. Like, yeah, I think Shocks did a great job. I do think, actually, the point you pointed out was maybe the only flaw, which is 
I think she really, this is the problem. Remember, she's watched the last major, which was the all the old school people who are the old aesthetic and vibe of Counter-Strike. So I think she came into this event ready to queue people up and get some fucking sick bats, some funny clips on ready, some back and forth, because obviously she can do it. There was, and there wasn't much there, because remember, even some of the best people like Maui's team, well, they're, they're still, that's their first major. Oh, I did mention you know I mean? Maui, by the way. Yeah. So I, I want to do give a special shout out to him. I thought first major, I thought, but put, put it this way, you know, I thought he had a better performance than Pimp, just in terms of overall packaging, how he expressed his opinion, how he articulated his opinion, how he wasn't backwards about coming forwards about that opinion. I thought Maui Snake definitely was like, you know, shocks, like you say, was looking to him as as, as a go-to on the desk, especially in some of those sure. drier segments. But yes, obviously, at your first major, you don't want to come out and go, no, Sim- no. simple something fucking whack this event or whatever, you know. Hey, it's falling overrated, guys. You don't want to, you don't want to wait into that one, do you? So, yeah, I mean, but but I thought overall, I thought he did a great job. He's come on leaps and bounds. And then the other thing is, I thought the casting in general was very good. Yes, obviously, some of these people already were, were good enough to do it. They just hadn't had the chance. They earned their wings. They, they were able to do it. They made the first jump, as it were, in certain circumstances. Also, it was correct that Alex and Chad do the final. They are the best. They also have the experience. They also have the hack, which is even when they're inexperienced as a casting duo, they did all the events in the other roles. So, like, they do just have an OP advantage over everyone. And, like you say, if you want the final to, here's the thing the, the game has to do its part. But if the game does its part, they are going to hit all the right timings and setups that will elevate that game to be something special. So, I thought they did a great job. The one downside I would obviously say about the casting is it'll be impossible to watch a match like this in an era where I know they're available to work. And not miss the voice of Moses and Anders. Those are two names that absolutely, in my opinion, should be on the, a major playoff at some point in time. And it does, I'm sorry, this is another thing. You can be the best caster in the world now. It doesn't have the same connection as when I hear Anders talk. When I hear Anders' voice, I suddenly start to start thinking this moment could match up with the greatest in history. This could be in, in the Pantheon, etc. You, you actually need him there to help add some of the clarity and gravitas to the newer casters. They want to take the baton, not just have the baton be waiting for them on the ground for them to pick up. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, listen, yeah, it's a shame. Um, but overall, uh, you know, a major that went by with the t- only the type of hitches you would expect. But for now, I think we'll we'll put a pin in it. That was uh, all of the major discussions uh, about the major, and then we can move on. So on the next episode of Revenge of By the Numbers, as always, uh, we're going to be hitting it hot. We're going to be talking about Boomich and what it means for Na'Vi. We're going to be talking about Isik and have they finally jumped the fucking shark? Spoiler, yes, they have. Um, we're going to talk about the, the, the start of Rostermania. And, of course, how did IEM Dallas get so fucking scuffed? It's been a mess. Plenty to talk about. Hopefully, we'll be coming at you a lot quicker uh, in future. So until then, make sure you take care of yourselves. That was it from us. See you soon. Chris is still in the picture. Oh, still very much in the round. Oh, Chris, he's found three. It's down to a two-on-two. Chris, can he close this with an ace? Oh my God! Gives him a chance at least. And this CZ kill could be everything. Finally, Zeus, he does something. Looking for a second, he connects it. Oh, and he gets a third as well. Sure.